We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome to a NFL Week 14 edition of the Rotowire Sports Gambling Podcast. I am Nick Whalen. I am joined by my good, close personal friend, John McKechnie. John, we got a monster Week 14 to break down, but we'll look back at, a, I think, even more monster Week 13 in terms of volume of games, some of the huge matchups we had in the late window. Uh, both of our parlays cashed last week, John. That is a first for this pod mm-hmm. since we started tossing out parlays. A couple of weeks ago, uh, your Baltimore Ravens, you are personally responsible for this. They sunk the teaser. We almost went three for three on teasers. Uh, they could not cover one and a half, John, uh, against the Denver Broncos. But uh, of course, they did find a way uh, to get that win. We will certainly dive in more uh, on the Baltimore Ravens. But how are you doing, man? Uh, I know you were uh, you were at a, a poetry reading earlier this week. You, know, you and I both have wedding weekends coming up. Uh, a lot going on. But how's everything going? Yeah, it's a. Uh... You know, I think most of our, our listeners kind of expect if if there's a weekend coming up that you have a wedding. Uh, but I'm 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 getting in on the fun that this weekend as well. Um, yes, did did go see a buddy uh, as the featured reader at the Athens Word of Mouth uh, event last night. That was a lot of fun. Uh, and then, you know, not not to bring it down too much, but more like I I have a little bit of extra in- inspiration for today. Uh, is with a heavy heart that I must report that my favorite uh, internet German basset hound, Sir Mortimer, uh, has crossed over the Rainbow Road, oh, sadly. No. So, so, you know, he brought joy uh, to the Twitter timeline daily oh. with just hilarious German captions and just like a basset hound just being all derpy. Um, so he's Man, in a better I, place now playing for Sir Mortimer. I, I had no idea. I'm sorry. I, I, had I known, maybe we could have skipped this podcast this week in his honor. But I, I think he probably would have wanted you to do the pod. He he would have, and uh, he would have also had some nice German dog treats as well. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We uh, we had the Rotowire holiday party this last week uh, because every, everyone definitely cares about that. But it was a lot of fun. Shout out to the great Jakeski uh, for mm. planning a fantastic party on Tuesday. The company morale is at an all time high. I'm I'm Rotowired out. Got my Rotowire shirt, Rotowire hat. For those of you watching along. Uh, on YouTube. The hat, by the way, I get so many compliments on this. It is just a well-made, uh, I don't even know what's, what's the word for a hat, textile, I guess. Does that qualify as a <laughs> yes. textile? But I tell you what, yeah, I, I love this thing. Um, but yeah, fun week 
all around. Uh, very much looking forward to uh, another big time NFL Sunday. However, John, we have six teams on by this week. I, I personally think it should be illegal for this many teams. I don't think any team should be on by. It's week 14. It's there's like it's the last regular season week of the fantasy season, and you got six teams on by. We need to fix this. I think maximum of two teams on by this late in the year. I think we need to redistribute these uh, throughout the season. It's not like this every year, right? I, I think teams teams have some say, like with the London games and the German games, like when they're you know I know Green Bay for example, like you know requested a late buy this week. They're one of the teams that's off, but we have no Falcons, no Bears, no Packers, no Colts, no Saints. And the only above 500 team in this group, no Washington Commanders. No, it it really makes it tricky for for fantasy. Um, I, I think that uh, the NFL needs to take that into into stronger consideration. That they go ahead, they they give us the extra week of the regular season, and yet they they're they're screwing around with our fantasy playoffs. This is a huge week for that. Um, you know, waivers are a mess. This week, uh, pickups, just lineup calls like your bench is probably thin just because oh they're goodness. teams like it. Yeah, I'm going to be rolling out some absolute garbage in very, very key spots this week. So, um, yeah, I, uh, you know, th- this is under protest for, from from us officially. This is ridiculous. Yeah. I made some really, really sad waiver wire pickups this week. Um, you know, kind of, kind of tried to like put them in under the cover of night. Um, you know, maybe like see if I could like get them, put them in anonymously. Uh, Just wearing a trench coat while you yeah, put in your bids. Exactly. I'm, like, I'm, <laughs> I'm manually calling them into Peter Shanky. Like, hey, can you just quietly put this guy in my team. Yeah, the the Rotowire Invitational, uh, the Vegas League. You know, those are those are sharp leagues. They're they're deep, um, and I, I need help with with six teams on by. But yeah, you know, I was saying to Jeff on the XM show, like. If you could pick six teams to put on by at the same time, <laughs> these might be the six that you would pick. Like none of these teams have more than maybe two or three guys that you're all that worried about for fantasy. Yeah, it, and like the, there's almost like a blessing in disguise element for Camara managers. Right. It's like okay, I don't have to make that call if if I'm going to bench about this Najee guy Harris or not. When, when Pittsburgh right? was on by too, I'm like thankfully fine. And, and honestly, with the Colts, like I keep rolling out Michael Pittman. Every week, like I, I feel like I have to start him, and yeah, it is kind of cathartic. Like now, I can put Isaiah Pacheco in my lineup and not feel like I'm missing out on somebody else. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Camara for this week really stands out. Uh, Antonio Gibson, kind of like he he had kind of re-entered that realm where he kind of goes away for a few weeks and then he starts yep. cropping back up. And now I, I just simply don't have to make that decision anymore for for at least this week. And then you know the most cathartic of lineup calls. Uh, including one of the teams for, from this week was Kyle Pitts officially like, you know, going or being ruled out for the rest of the season is like, yep. all right, now I like don't, don't have to bench him and, and be worried about um, missing out on, on a game that may never actually happen for him. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical, although I, yep. I'm sure by, by the time draft season rolls around next year, I will have way too much Kyle Pitts once again. I on purpose started Evan Ingram over Kyle Pitts multiple times this year. I mean, that's, I love that's a spike start. Yeah, right. Exactly. And it, it paid off one week, uh, the other week, not so much, but uh, before we dive in on week 14, we, I do want to talk about the Atlanta Falcons real quickly. And we, we won't, won't spend too much time on this because they are one of those six teams on by. So we're not worried about betting them this week, but major news. Finally, we will see Desmond Ritter on the other side of the buy. In week 15, you know, we, we had kind of talked about this these last few weeks. To me, it felt like Tampa Bay storming back and winning that game on Monday night somehow lost Marcus Mariota, his starting job for the rest of the season. Because I think if you're Atlanta, you could kind of keep justifying throwing Mariota out there. It's like, yeah, he probably has maybe a slightly higher floor 
than Desmond Ritter. You're still very much in the mix for that division, but it does feel like Tampa Bay, you know, kind of has a, a commanding two game lead now uh, with, with, a, with a few games left. And unsurprisingly, we'll see Desmond Ritter make his first NFL start next week at New Orleans. I'm sure that, you know, in some sense, this is a relief for, for Falcons fans because it, I think that the sense that I've gotten is that they're a little bit tired of the team performing not well enough to make the postseason, but not bad enough to get a really high draft pick. Although, you know, we can talk draft another time, but it's not even that great of a year to be picking extremely high this year. It's not looking awesome. But, um, you know, by, by virtue of, uh, the bye week coming up at a time where, like you said, you know, sort of like the that domino meme where there's a guy on down on the ground just hitting this one little square, and then it topples over these huge things. Um, very, so, yeah. Tom Brady leading a fourth quarter comeback against the Saints in, in a very boring game, otherwise uh, has suddenly uh, banished Marcus Mariota, and we've gotten to gotten to see uh, Desmond Ritter, uh, Jay, fr- uh, frequent guest of the of this pod. Uh, the the maintenance guy. We talk Falcons pretty often when when I run into him, and his his sense was was just that, yeah, like if they keep winning, if they stay in the hunt, then mm-hmm. good, and you know keep seeing what Mariota can do. But the second you're out of the race, you got to at least check out what you right. what you have in Desmond Ritter. So that this really does kind of work out perfectly for the Falcons. I, I know that uh, like as of a month ago, you were hoping that this wouldn't unfold this way, but. Now you get like a decent month long sample of Ritter and you get to kind of make from that uh, what what you want to do in free agency as far as far as quarterback goes or, you know, if if you're interested in one of these guys uh, in the draft at quarterback. Exactly. And you know, I think with Ritter, too, it's like the main selling point with him is like this is a, he's an older prospect. He's, he's seasoned at the college level. Like this isn't Malik Willis where, you know, you feel like you might need multiple years until you get a fair evaluation of what he can be like, I, I think you know, three or four games at the end of the season, that's not going to, that's not going to tell you the entire story, but I think you'll get a, a relatively decent feel for Desmond Ritter because, you know, he is supposed to be for a guy who's not a first round pick, you know, fairly NFL ready. So I, I don't think we see like a massive drop off for the Falcons the rest of the way, but we will cross that bridge uh, this very time uh, a week from now, John, when the Falcons are back in action. Uh, you know, I mentioned at the top that we hit both the parlays last week. I think we need to go out of our way to, to make sure we highlight that before we dive in to week 14 um it, i had what ravens packers seahawks money line we hit all three of those you had Dang. Bengals, 49ers seahawks money line that was the afternoon delight parlay that hit at over three to one well done yeah that that felt great and boy that that seahawks game that was dicey uh and i'm glad that i, I went money line instead of spread as far as that one went, because, uh, boy, how I, thought they were like, lo- I really thought they were going to lose that game. I thought we were going to see a, like a crushing Geno Smith pick on that final drive. Yes. Uh, I mean, we, we've been conditioned to expect that. And like th- this year has been so magical for, for Geno Smith. It, it, it It's going to take like the rest of this year to like kind of expunge what we know of Geno Smith and accept him as, as yep. the new uh, and improved Geno Smith 2.0. Exactly. Exactly. It might, it might take multiple years uh, before I'm willing to buy in on that. But uh, all right, let's dive in. Week 14. Uh, we only have 13 games on the slate this week. Uh, as usual, you know, we won't talk Thursday night football. We do record this pod uh, Thursday evening. So Raiders Rams has not happened yet. Uh, but by the time you listen to this, it will have. Um, so best of luck, whatever side you're taking there. I'll be on the Raiders tonight. Uh, I, I can't believe I've, I've made that kind of switch. But if anything, it says more about where the Rams are at at this point. But we'll focus uh, on the Sunday and then, of course, the Monday night game 
slates as well. Which lines to you are standing out as a little too high? I have a few, but I'm curious which game stood out to you. Um, so, uh, you know, sticking kind of with what we were just talking about, I, I'm a little bit nervous about the Seahawks this week. I, I think that they, they are still like a, a very solid team, but they, they haven't been performing great of late. And uh, I think being at home, trusting them with more than a field goal in a game that could get pretty funky, um, I, I think that I would be more comfortable with, with them at, at three or two and a half. But but at four, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of asking a little bit there, a little bit more than I'm willing to give right now. So even though it is the Panthers, they're they're bad, but they're coming off the bye. Yep. Could, could have something cooked up. We'll have to see what, what's up with Deontay Foreman. I know he came back to practice in, in a limited fashion that 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 I love that that's like storyline a when it comes to talking <laughs> about the Panthers like good Lord, but um, I could just see that game getting a little bit uh, haywire. So, so that's why I'm a little bit skeptical on the Seahawks. And then uh, the Eagles, I think that magic number of seven, it concerns me. Um, they are one of the worst teams on the road against the spread this year. It's a smaller sample than a lot of teams. This is only their sixth road game, but they're one and four against the spread. I might be grading them a little bit too harshly from their performance uh, against the Indianapolis Colts a few weeks back. But even still, I just think that the Giants, the, the way I described this one in my in my column this week was, we'll know pretty quickly, um, you know, kind of to borrow your, your logic for, from a lot of these, which is sound in my opinion. It's just like, we're going to know if the Eagles have this one in control right away or if if they start slow, that's yep. exactly where the Giants want them and we're in for like a 20 to 16 type of slog. Yeah, I, there's some reports that the weather could be an issue in East Rutherford. Uh, it's not supposed to be a beautiful day. I think it's going to be windy on Sunday. Uh, yeah, I've said over and over, like I, you know, I, I, even if I'm not hitting uh, a ton of bets this year, I've I've been very very good at identifying when my bets are going wrong. Uh, <laughs> I, I can tell I can tell you right away with by the end of the first quarter, like is this going to be a loser or is it not? And uh, certainly we went we went through that uh, a couple times last week as well. Uh, I like those calls. Uh, I'm with you. I kind of like Carolina. I just don't. You know, to me, it's more about the Seattle defense just completely falling off a cliff over these last few weeks. It really feels like that that Germany game against Tampa Bay is when things started to flip for Seattle. The offensive line has taken a big step back. I do think the Seahawks win this game, but in staff picks, I, I think I went like 27-24 uh, Seattle. You know, I, I think this is a game where, assuming Foreman is active, I think the Panthers will be able to move the ball. And all season, this has been an underrated Carolina defense so I I don't think this is necessarily a walk in the park for Seattle and look the Rams put in a pretty good effort last week to to me that they were really juiced up for that game you could tell I mean I I thought at one point Jalen Ramsey was like minus 500 to get ejected from that game like he was fired up Bobby Wagner played his best game of the year Um, so you do have to tip your cap to the Rams but man if you're Seattle like you should not have been in that position that should not have taken you know a last second game winning drive uh, to beat this version of the Rams So, so that alarmed me a little bit um, I'll throw a few at you that, that maybe seem a little bit too high over at bet MGM. And Hey, by the way, John, if you want your first wager risk-free, go over to bet MGM and go to betmgm.com. You can use the bet MGM app. You can just plug in our promo code, bet roto B E T R O T O. Your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Just, just a little note, make sure you're using that. Um, the 49ers Brock Purdy, he is the quarterback now for the 49ers the 49ers are at home. They they get a Tampa Bay team that, yes, technically the Buccaneers did beat the New Orleans Saints. They probably should not have won that game. It was very, very ugly. They turned it over or punted 
on seven of their 10 drives in that game. The offense looked as bad as it's looked uh, really all season. The total is 37 and a half in this game. And the 49ers are three and a half point favorites. I, I get it. You know, especially coming off of a, a win at home over the Dolphins, who are a better team than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They won that game fairly comfortably. So I, I understand the line. I, I actually, I, deep down, I don't think it's too high, but it's Brock Purdy going up right. against Tom Brady. So, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a little strange seeing Tom Brady as a three and a half point dog to Brock Purdy. That, that's what it comes down to for me. No, that, that, that definitely checks out. Like if you, you see that you, you look at the quarterbacks and you're just like, mm, how, but um, you know, it, it, in a way, like I felt, I feel better about Brock Purdy given how he was used last yes. week. Like they, the offense didn't go into a shell once he came in, he ended up with like 37 pass attempts. Um, so that, that goes to show that Shanahan is willing to, to, you know, keep things rolling with him. And you know, that they, they seem as about as high as you can be on a seventh round pick type of guy. But, you know, he he's an experienced guy, not not completely unlike Desmond Ritter, longtime starter at Iowa State, has a lot of reps, uh, just knows what he's doing, can at least occupy that game manager role. Mm-hmm. And for the Bucks, I mean, they, they should have lost that game for a lot of reasons. I, I think that the Saints completely give it, gave it back to them. I, th- I thought that that, uh, that punt call, uh, in the fourth quarter, about halfway through, was, was egregious, and they were not punished properly for it. And that 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 comes down to the Saints finding a way to just be stupid, just running like a hurry up offense when you're trying to kill the clock. Like, what are you doing, Dennis Allen? You're in way over your head. Like, he'll be gone by by uh, you know by uh, Black Monday, I guess they call it the the day that they fire all the coaches. He'll be gone. That's an easy one. Uh, so shame on you, Saints. Um, but I, I don't think that the Bucks, like you can really take that, that comeback win and, and really like apply it and be like, okay, no, the, things are fixed now. They, they, they are not, yeah. uh, they got a short week. Um, I don't know if Tom Brady has been able to get his hyperbaric chamber out to the Bay area. He probably has one out there already, but you know, that that's a, you know, quick turnaround for old Tom mm-hmm. and you know, the Niners defense is nasty and the Bucks offense just makes no sense whatsoever. It's almost like, a little bit akin to like the the late stage Ben Roethlisberger, where they just they just want to get the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible because he yep. simply does not trust that offensive line, and that just shrinks the field on themselves, and that creates a lot of problems when you're facing a defense as good as San Francisco. Right, and I mean, like you said, Tom Brady's getting the ball faster, or getting the ball out, I should say, faster than any quarterback in the league. They are far and away the worst rushing offense in the NFL. That worries me big time against the San Francisco defense. It's like, if you, if you can't move the ball on the ground against New Orleans, I, I think they're going to run into a wall in San Francisco. And, you know, I, in some ways, I, it's like, you're putting the, you're putting the ball in the hands of Tom Brady, which is not a bad thing, but you know, it's just, it's the Kate Otten two yard out, Chris Godwin, four yard slant raid that we seem like we talk about every single week. And I just, I don't know if you can get away with that against the San Francisco defense. And miraculously, by the way, John, this is the first time all season that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are underdogs. Wow, it took it took all this time, and they've been really underwhelming. That like basically this entire season. Right. So that that is unreal uh, that that it's taken this long for them to be a dog. But I think it, it's it's correct in this case, even with Brock Purdy out there. Yeah, I think it checks out. Very, very low total in this game as well, thirty-seven and a half. Bucks team totals uh, eleven and one to the under <laughs> this season. I think that probably happens again. Uh, we'll see what Brock Purdy is able to do against this Tampa Bay defense. I, I thought, I mean, the Buccaneers had some breakdowns in the first half of that game. You think about that Taysom Hill 
touchdown. I mean, just kind of a miscommunication and coverage. You saw Todd Bowles, you know, talking to his guys on the sideline, just like, what are you doing? Um, you know, some injuries in that Tampa Bay secondary that we'll be monitoring as well. But overall, I, I came away encouraged by what I saw from Brock Purdy, especially considering he went into that game not expecting to play, right? You know, it's not like he had a week to prep for the Miami Dolphins. It's like, you, you're going in cold after Jimmy G goes down with a crushing injury. So I think all things considered, if you're the 49ers, it's like, I, I don't love that they're they're still like 12 to one to win the Super Bowl. Like to me, that upside, I don't know if that's still there. Uh, but week to week, I, I still think this could be a dangerous team. Like I, there, there's definitely a drop from Garoppolo to Purdy, but I, I overall, I was encouraged by by him being like, slightly more than a game manager, right? Like this is not a, this isn't like when the Titans went to Malik Willis for a couple of weeks and it was like, we are, we are doing everything we can to take the ball out of your hands. Like I, San Francisco is not going to do that. Like, I think they're still, for the most part, they're going to, they're going to run their offense like 90% like they would have with Garoppolo. Yeah. Shani does not care. Uh, he, he thinks that system is King and rarely right. does he get pr- proven completely wrong. Like it, I feel like, uh, his, uh, his blood pressure doesn't rise at all, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo under center or Nick Mullins or CJ Beathard. So I think, you know, Purdy that they, they seem to love him, the, the locker room, mm-hmm. uh, everyone was, was, uh, you know, just like, yeah, Brock Purdy, like kind of the guy. So, um, it feels like that the, the, there's almost a galvanization going on ar- around old Purdy here as, as we hit the stretch run. And, you know, this is an Irish team that's come a long way. Like they're, they're not going to, uh, quit on on this just because Jimmy G is out. So uh, again, I agree with your your assessment that th- this probably isn't a Super Bowl team anymore. But um, they are still very dangerous, and I, I think that absolutely emphatically that they are better than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. One more note, by the way, uh, on Tom Brady. This will be the first time since 2006 uh, that Tom Brady is an underdog against a rookie quarterback. Uh, the last time that happened, Vince Young. And the Tennessee Titans back in 06, the Patriots won that game 40 to 23. So completely different context. I mean, that was 16 years ago. Uh, the distant future uh, are, are we in now? But, uh, you know, something to monitor nonetheless. Uh, the other game I'll throw out there, maybe a little high. Should the Buffalo Bills be 10 point favorites, John, against the New York Jets? I go back and forth on this one, but I, I can certainly see the the argument for that that line being too high. Um, you know, the the Bills obviously they take care of business last Thursday against the Patriots, but I don't think that they've necessarily uh, been playing their A game of late. I didn't think that they brought their A game to Detroit with them. Uh, you know, the the Cleveland game was just kind of a, a weird little outlier uh, with all the travel uh, weirdness and neutral site type of stuff. But I do feel like. More than anything, this could, and it hurts me to say this because I, I love the story and uh, mm-hmm. I enjoy his stylings, but the Mike White, like the, it's going to run out at some point. And, and I believe last year was the last that we saw from him until the Bears game this year. And I believe he threw four interceptions in that game against Buffalo. He did. Um, I, I worry that something very similar like that could happen. And if, if he even goes to two or three picks, uh, I think the that's that's giving the Bills way too many opportunities. So if Josh Allen can kind of fix his turnover issues that that he had that first time around, and they they are at home, then I think the Bills can cover. But you know, I'm I'm kind of just if I'm on the Bills on this spread, I'm counting on Mike White uh, having a meltdown. But, but if he doesn't, then you know this game becomes a little bit closer because I do believe that that defense for the Jets will still be able to give Buffalo a little bit of of trouble. 
at 10, this is a stay away for me. We, I, I had it at nine when I wrote up my picks earlier this week. And I, I feel like this is like a 27, 17 type of game for Buffalo. I, I like the bills to win. Um, obviously the jets have beat them once this season. That was with Zach Wilson. Uh, and that was, that was the game where it felt like things like were really starting to unravel for Buffalo, you know, two picks for Josh Allen. That's when he suffered the elbow injury, but man, I, it, like Buffalo it, to me kind of felt like they took their foot off the gas last week against new England. I, I think they could have run that score up a little bit more if they wanted to, but Josh Allen, that was, even though the bills, I, I think you're right. It's been like six weeks since they've had one of those, like, Whoa, this team is unstoppable type of games. And we should know Von Miller's not coming back. He's not coming back this week. He's not coming back at all this season. That That is a big hit for that defense. But last week against New England, I mean, Josh Allen had two or three like vintage Josh Allen type of throws. So I, I think that elbow is fine. Yes. And that that's super encouraging for them now and, and heading down the stretch, because if he didn't show that, you know, that classic mm-hmm. Josh Allen ability, then I think that you are all of a sudden very worried about the Bills' long-term chances this season. All right, let's go to the other side. Which lines are looking a little low to you, John? All right, so the ones that were too low, um, we were just talking about the Niners. I I do feel like the Niners are in good shape here despite the quarterback situation. Um, I feel like the Bengals, their line is a little bit small and it's shrinking, I've noticed. like when, When we both wrote ours, like you probably had Bengals at six, maybe even at six, six and a half. Okay, yeah. So I mean, now we're we're looking at five and a half, and I, I the the prevailing narratives that I've seen in in support of the Browns don't really make sense to me, or like just don't carry water. Like, okay, Joe Burrow has historically struggled against the Browns. Like, you want to bet on that continuing? Do you really want to bet on hey, Joe hey, Burrow? He's literally <laughs> never beat the Browns. Having the Cleveland Browns as, as his uh, kryptonite, I, I think not. Um, I, I think that, that that gets corrected here. I don't think that, that that you run into the risk of the Bengals having like the proverbial letdown game after a big win because this is the, the mm-hmm. Browns. And this is a Browns team that embarrassed them on national TV on, on Halloween on that Monday night game. So like that that's definitely like you know in their thoughts when they're when they're looking ahead to this game. And then, you know, t- rounding it out. Watson looked terrible last week, and if they weren't playing the Texans, who knows if they even like if that performance beats any other team. So, yes, I mean, yes. I I love the Bengals in this spot. I think that they're starting to turn it on, and I think that they you could argue they might be the most dangerous team in the NFL right right now. So, yes. I, I think that 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 continues this week. I love. I would take them like I would take an alt spread like up to nine and a half on on the Bengals. Like I, I really love them in this spot. Joe Burrow has been a, a great cold weather quarterback. He's been a great uh, kind of later in the season quarterback. Obviously, those things are correlated. 10 and 1 ATS in games where the temperature is 50 degrees or lower. It is projected to be exactly 40 degrees in Cincinnati, Ohio at noon on Sunday. So, yeah, I mean, part of it is the, the Bengals are rolling right now. Their loss, their last loss came against this Browns team and that that bizarre primetime game. It was right after they lost Jamar Chase and uh, you know, it, that was, that was one, that was an all timer for me. I'm like, right away. I'm like, Bengals are not winning this game. They just don't have mm-hmm. it. And you know, since then they've, they've just been completely rolling. I think their win last week against the chiefs, that might be the single most impressive win of the season uh, in a game that it felt like if you're watching that one live, which I'm sure you were, that, that was like a zero margin for error type of game. It was like, whichever team has the, the crucial turnover uh, and it ended up being that Kelsey fumble. That's what's going to decide it because it, you kind of felt like both teams, when they get the ball, they're going to, they're going to score. And, you know, in the first half, the Bengals had that weird red zone possession where, you know, fourth down, they, they run that horrific uh, jet sweep, gets blown up. 
Um, and, and, you know, to be able to, to kind of survive that, thought the defense played just well enough. Um, and, and the way that they were able to control the clock in that game was so impressive. And, and Burrow's numbers, you know, two touchdowns, I think he was around like 280 yards. Fine. You know, it wasn't one of those games where you're like, wow, Joe Burrow, just crazy, crazy numbers. But it was a, a Joe Burrow moxie game, if you will. Like that was a, a Tom Brady-esque performance, I, I felt. From Joe Burrow, like he's not doing the, you know, Mahomes had a couple insane throws, you know, where he's stepping up in the pocket, launching it deep to MBS. Uh, Joe Burrow doesn't have those, those Josh Allen tiptoeing the sideline, throw across the body plays, but he, everything was just pinpoint accuracy. And he should have had three touchdowns, by the way, you know, Tyler Boyd hauls in that. that Oh man. Yeah. That was, that was tough. So, (laughs) I mean, that was, that was, it was just, that was one of the most impressive games of Burrow's career. I'm not breaking any news here, but um, I, I don't think this is a letdown spot. And like you said, as much as I like the Bengals, the reason I like this game even more is I don't trust the Browns. Like, how is this number moving in favor of Cleveland? You you laid it out perfectly. I think I, I will hear the argument that they maybe would have beat the Broncos last week. I think they lo- if they play that same game, they lose to every other team in the league. Not Other teams are not handing you you know, a fumble recovery at the five yard line that you can literally walk into the end zone and you, you get the pick six, you get the special teams touchdown. Like the Browns offense looked awful in that game. Deshaun Watson looked terrible in that game. We talked about his yardage prop last week. That was, that was probably my best bet of the entire week. 240 was his yardage. I mean, I, I thought he had no chance to, to go past that. And honestly, my expectations for Watson were low last week. They're even lower after that game. And I, you know, long-term, I, I obviously he's going to be a better quarterback than Jacoby Brissett. I don't think anybody's really arguing that, but I didn't see anything last week that suggests that it's going to be fixed over the course of seven days against a vastly better opponent. No. So, I mean, it, it almost feels so right on, on the Bengals that I'm like, a, as we talk this out, it's like, Hmm, maybe, but, but nope, sticking to it. Um, I, I think the the Browns are cooked in this spot. Maybe they'll, they'll, uh, they got the Ravens coming up next week. And I think that the, maybe Watson will be in a little bit better shape for that one. But in this spot against Cincinnati on the road, uh, no, give me the Bengals all, all day. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, John, but we, we might have our, our first uh, mutual lock of the week. Uh, we'll, we'll see okay. when we get to the end of this pod. But I, I, I'm telling you, I feel pretty good about the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, one, that, one that I'm looking at, the uh, the Dallas Cowboys, 17 and a half is, you know, is, is that a little too low at home against Houston? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, we're talking 21 and a half before, before I'm even thinking about the Texans, but actually well, like I'm only half joking. Well, right. And, and I'm joking as well. So the last 10 home teams to be favored by at least 16 and a half points went seven and three ATS and nine and one straight up. Uh, I think the Rams dropped a game to the jets uh, a year or two ago. That was the, the lone outlier in terms of the straight up loss, but seven and three ATS in these spots at home. So I, I, you know, I, I think we had this one at, at 16 or 16 and a half in staff picks. I went with Dallas. You know, you never feel great about taking a spread that's this high, but I, I just think Dallas is, you know, I, I said it to you last week, like they are, they're that team that I think is so perfectly built, <clears throat> excuse me, to blow teams out. And we saw it against the Colts because that defense, you know, I, I think they are, they're a defense that creates more, you know, havoc plays than just about any other. And look, they're not going to put up 30, 30 plus points in the fourth quarter, two weeks in a row, but I don't even think Dallas has to play that well. And I, I think they cover this pretty easily, right? I think they could play a B minus game on offense. And I, I think still win this game by 20 points. I mean, we almost saw it last week. I mean, Cleveland, Cleveland played like a D plus game on offense and, and still beat them by two scores. Right. So, um, you know, you really, the only thing that you get concerned about is like the, the Cowboys 
being disinterested. That's really the only way in which uh, they don't cover this number because if they play, like you said, even a B minus game, uh, they they should take care of business. Like the the Texans are just completely unserious as an NFL team. Like what they're putting out there right now, uh, the the little quarterback carousel between Kyle Allen and and Davis Mills. I always feel bad for Davis Mills coming into this game. It's like okay, you're you're now the guy that gets to get uh, just knocked around by by Micah Parsons and company this week. Like mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh. Uh, my shoulders acting up a little bit. Well, how about Kyle take this one and I'll be back next week. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's going to be a bloodbath in, in that backfield. And uh, yeah. So even, even though the, the number is gigantic, like you said, uh, the, the, the history suggests that those big favorites can cover the, these numbers. And it really, it just, it all boils down to how bad the, the, you know, underdog is. And Texans are really one of the worst teams that we've seen in recent years. So uh, that, that, that week one tie, Feels like an eternity ago. Uh, it's, it's been a while since things have felt that good for for Houston. Uh, well, they did beat the Jaguars, so That's that true. that is like the ultimate black mark uh, on the Jags' resume for this season. I mean, man, man, I, I I've been I've been doing a lot of work on the playoff machine this week. You know, for for the Jags and the Packers. I mean, the Jags are done at this point, uh, but you know, Green, Green Bay, you know, they, they could still make some things happen. We'll, we'll have to track that if they could find a way to beat Miami on Christmas Day. Uh, things are getting get interesting, but the Jags. I mean, that loss to the Colts. Uh, that that loss to, to to Houston, like those are the two where it's like if you can have those back, things things could get a little interesting in the AFC South. Um, a- anything else here that that stands out to you as a little bit low? I, I know you were kind of zeroing in uh, on that Jags Titans game, uh, which is currently sitting at Titans minus four. Uh, this game is in Nashville. Yeah, so that that's a tricky one. Um, part of me thinks that like it like of course the Titans cover this, but that. Uh, you know, we talked about it on the monkey knife fight show earlier. Like you, you said it well, like the Titans, even when they win, they don't really blow you out. So um, trusting them with more than a field goal can be a little bit dicey. Um, you know, we're, we're a week removed from the Jags having arrived, uh, or at least I thought so. Um, but, you know, la- last yes. week's game brought that crashing back to earth. I, I feel like you're the more credible source on this one, but but as it stands, I feel like it's a little bit too low of a number in, in favor of the Titans. I, I would I'd be comfortable with them, you know, closer to five even. You know, with the Titans, I think part of this is like the Jags offensively, at least, despite games like last week, they a lot of the advanced metrics still point to this being closer to like a league average team as opposed to to a team that's several games below 500. Um, you know, there are some injuries that we're keeping an eye on in, in Tennessee as well. I mean, Traylon Burks was basically knocked out cold last week. Who knows if he'll be available? I would guess probably not. Uh, you know, Jeffrey Simmons has been banged up for, for a lot of the year. He's still battling uh, an ankle injury, did not practice on Thursday. Without him, that 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 changes things for that defense. But yeah, I mean, the, this is not a great spot for the Jags. They haven't won in Tennessee since 2013. I mean, we're going back to like, I don't even know, was that like the Cecil Shorts? days uh that was yeah. like right i think that was like immediately following the the toby gerhardt era might have been right in the heart of it um so yeah it's been a long time they and this is one of those games where like traditionally you would say the titans have a huge coaching advantage and they definitely do i mean mike Vrabel is a, is a better coach than doug peterson I, I do think the coaching gap has has been narrowed significantly with the job that peterson's done this year but uh th- this is the the type of game where i, I think tennessee is now definitively proven um, that they, they they maybe can't hang with the big dogs. You know that was that was kind of the big question coming into last week against the Eagles. Was look the, the Titans have lost all of the games against teams that are equal or better to them this year, and they've won all the games against teams that are worse than them. 
And to me, the Jaguars qualify as a team that is definitely worse than Tennessee. And, you know, the other thing with this too, is Trevor Lawrence, like, I mean, we're, I, I feel like the rest of the season, we're kind of playing with house money because he didn't tear his ACL last week. I was hundred percent mm-hmm. sure he did. He somehow returned to that game. He ended up on the injury report with a toe injury um, still limited. You know, these last couple of days, it's not a guarantee that Lawrence plays in this game. I, I think he does. Uh, but if he doesn't, I mean, that, that is a, the ultimate trump card for Tennessee. So I, I think the Jags give him a game. I, I don't think this is another like 40 to 14 situation like last week, but that's due in large part to the fact that as you alluded to the Titans just don't blow teams out. So I, I think we get something like, I don't know, 24 to 17 Titans. Okay. That, well, they, you know, they can, they're still covering at, at that point, but yeah, I don't, I don't think that this, this becomes a romp, but yeah, that, that one definitely stuck out to me a little bit as we were going through and, and trying to identify the, those lines that it, Seem a little low. Lawrence in his career, by the way, 0-5 ATS against the Titans and the Texans, which is just, yeah, that's not a stat. Ho- hopefully that changes at some point. But uh, I understand that the Tennessee part of that, not so much uh, on the Houston side. Uh, all right, we'll uh, we'll get into the rest of week 14 on the other side here. But, John, I made a, a terrible lapse in judgment last week. I jumped on Seattle last second. Uh, in staff picks, I actually took the Steelers as my best bet. That paid off. They beat, they, they win in Atlanta. Uh, for, for some reason I, I opted to go against my conscience and take Seattle that did not come through, but you're on the, you're back on the right side of these best bets. You hit yours 49ers minus three and a half against Miami. Yes. F- felt great about that one. And, uh, you know, the, the funny thing about you, you take in Seattle is that you had laid out this amazing case about be wary of anyone that has just come into close contact with the Las Vegas Raiders. And you, you went against your own numbers. man. It, was, it hurt me to see I, that. You're right. But the, the stat was that those teams were, I think they were like one in 10 uh, straight, straight up after playing the Raiders. Yeah. So they, they did win the game. You know, I, I didn't look into the ATS stuff. Uh, I should have looked deeper. I just, I, it, it was, it was one of those games where I was picking against the Rams, you know, I wasn't picking yeah. Seattle and that's where you get into some danger. So uh, I suppose John, the, the read falls on me this week solo. All right. I, I uh, surrender it unto you, sir. All right. Kick off week 14 of the NFL season with the king of sportsbooks. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code BETROTO. That's B-E-T-R-O-T-O. And your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 years or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. This is a new customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards are issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. This excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please, we're begging you, gamble responsibly. Do you have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee red line at 800-889-9789 in Tennessee or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. 
in Ontario. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or the gambling of someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. It felt good. I, I just, I've had to read this way too many times this year. Um, but look, I feel good about this week's lock. I can't say that every week. This is, I'll put it out there. This week's going to be the lock of the year, not just the lock of the week. Wow. Okay. All right. So that, that's, you know, the, the gauntlet is being thrown here, folks. So, you know, listen up. What, what games have we not touched on? I, I do love the, the way that we attack these because we get to, we get past the read and it feels like we've knocked out uh, most of the games, but uh, let's go to Vikings lions. Uh, yes. We got the lions now as one and a half point favorites at home. That line is actually down a little bit. Like this is, this is a strange situation because it, it opened at, I believe Minnesota two and a half. And over the course of the last four days, went all the way to the other side, it was lions two and a half now down to one and a half. Um, and this is not a situation where we're talking about like the look ahead line from back in September, uh, we saw some significant line movement here just over the course of these last few days, but it uh, looks like it's settled at one and a half. I, I'm okay with that. I, I mean, I, I know it's it, it's a little bit counterintuitive to see a 10-2 team like Minnesota uh, as an underdog here, but they are on the road. And as we continue to touch on all year, John, that, that this is a 10-2 a team that a lot of the metrics suggest is nowhere close to that level. Right. Yeah. And, uh, that there's a lot that, that goes into, you know, leading us to, to that point. Uh, it's led a lot of people to call them fraudulent. I think that that that's fair to an extent. I still like, wouldn't love to be playing against the Vikings in January, but, um, you know, there, there's some flaws there. And I think that, you know, just viscerally you see a five and seven team favorite against a 10 and two team. And it's like, what is the quarterback on the other team hurt? You know, what, what's going on there? But, the Lions have just played well over the last month. Like it, it's not, it doesn't feel like a flash in the pan the way that like September's run uh, went. Even though the record didn't suggest that things were going great in, in Detroit, they were playing really fun, exciting, close games every week early on in the season, including a close one against Minnesota. And I, I think that like your knee jerk reaction, and it'll be fascinating to see kind of like where, where the money ends up landing on this one because the, the line has danced around. Like I think it got as high as maybe Detroit uh, minus two, minus two and a half. But not now, like you said, it's creeping back down. But when a line doesn't make sense, I just assume that it makes perfect sense. And so with that in mind, I think the Lions cover this one. I think that they win outright and they, and they cover this number. I, I'm, I'm willing to, to get hurt again by Dan Campbell. I, I, I don't have a, a super strong lean here. I, I Again, I understand why the lions are favored. They probably should have won at Minnesota uh, back in, I think that was week three or week four. That was kind of the, the peak of Dan Campbell, poor clock management uh, mm -hmm. late in that game. There were some, some ill-advised punts. Um, so I, I do think, you know, that there is a coach advantage here for Minnesota. Um, I, I, I do think these teams like on a neutral, are, are these teams really any different? Yeah. You know, I, I think that's kind of what the line all week has been implying that um, even though Minnesota is a much better team, they're running away with the NFC North. Um, I, I think a lot of the odds makers see these teams as pretty equal when you power rate them. And, you know, I, I think we, we don't really trust either defense. We, we know for a fact that the Detroit defense is not good, but I think Minnesota's defense has kind of slipped a little bit 
these last few weeks. And, you know, Minnesota's now what? Are they, I think, 9-0 and in one-score games this year, games of eight points or less? Uh, they've won literally every single one. Um, they, they've been blown out twice, and then they beat Green Bay in week one by multiple scores. But to me, it, it like sometimes you, you have teams like this, and you say, man, that team, they, they just find ways to win. You know, you got to give them credit. Like, the Vikings, it feels like they find ways not to lose or their opponents find ways to lose. And and that was the case again last week against the Jets where, you know, they, they go like one of six, you know, inside the five yard line, can't convert that late one. You know, Braxton Berrios basically drops a, a fourth down catch that probably wins the game for the Jets. And even after that, they get another chance and, and Mike White ends up throwing a pick. So I, I understand the logic, but what scares me away here is that it feels like everybody's on the Lions. Hmm. Yeah, I mean that that's always scary when when there's like a, a market that's basically uh in lockstep that's never a, a comforting feeling really it makes you feel the opposite. Um but yeah, I mean when when it comes to the Vikings and their their close game ways, uh like the drill tweet, you simply do not have to hand it to them. Uh he he was not talking about the Minnesota Vikings though. He was talking about some other group uh that we don't care for, but um yeah, it's I'm, I'm gonna stick with the Lions here, but but man, like it, I don't know. Th- this is one of the more interesting like spreads of the entire season in in my mind, and and I really just I want all the distraction from from a Ravens Steelers game on, on Sunday, and I, I think that this w- this will provide some of it. Yeah, no, I, uh, I I'm I'm willing to just kind of default to the home team here if if, if that's kind of the the approach you want to take with this game. Um, you know, and the line is to the point where, you know, you're, you're not, you're not like, it's not at a key number. You're not worried about, you know, lose, like losing by three or anything like that. It's just basically which team do you feel better about? Um, and you know, Detroit has played really good football. I think for what, five, six weeks in a row now, this was a one in six team, not that long ago. And it does feel to me that if they had hung on and beat the bills on Thanksgiving, the, the narrative would be completely different. I, I think they, they lost too much credit. Uh, for, for, for ultimately losing a game that they probably should have won. Like they, they went toe to toe with the Buffalo bills for 58 minutes. Yeah, they, they really did. So that they, they um, they'll get in the mud with anybody. And uh, I don't, I don't know how muddy the Vikings really like to get. Probably not that muddy. Ultimately. I, I think they, 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 they kind of have the reputation as a, a paper tiger type of team. And by the way, I, in my, by beating the book article, I, I laid this out. I mean, the Vikings, quite literally might be the worst 10 and two team of all time. Like I, I ran a query on stat head uh, just kind of taking a look at teams with that win percentage. Uh, what kind of point differential uh, are you looking at? They are the worst team in the database uh, to have a win percentage of at least 83 and that uh, they have the lowest point differential, I guess is one way to put it of any of those teams. So, you know, the, the numbers back up. I think that notion that that Minnesota is not quite as good as their record. I did discover in, in that research, by the way, that that 07, Pat's team that went undefeated plus 315 during the regular season. They were plus 315 in 16 games. That's an average margin of 19.6 points per game. That's yeah. I mean, they, they really were just, it'd be hilarious. Like when, you know, cause I think it wasn't pre Sunday ticket or anything, but you know, we weren't able to go to Buffalo wild wings as sophomores in high school or whatever, and right. like be able to like see, see all the action. So it would just be, you see the the Patriots score on the bottom of, of whatever game you're watching. You're like, Oh my God. Like they are like setting new records for, I mean, just like every week, just laying complete waste to everybody. Did, did they win the Super Bowl that year though? I don't believe they did. I, wow. I, oh. What a disappointment. That yeah. sucks. Yeah. I just kind of erased everything. I guess is yeah. kind of how you have to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's go to Eagles giants. 
This is a, a nice little juicy divisional matchup. Eagles on the road, coming in red hot, of course, uh, after decimating uh, the, the Tennessee Titans last week. I don't know what else we need to see from the Eagles, man. I'm, I'm fully ready to dive in. I, I know there, there are still some that, that kind of just feel like you get a, a general skeptical vibe of the Eagles. Like people don't want to talk about them in quite the same context as teams like the Chiefs and the Bills. I'm absolutely ready to go there. I, I, I think this is a team that when when they're healthy, especially on defense, when, when Jordan Davis and, and Gardner Johnson are healthy, like there, there are just very few flaws. And I, I guess if the, the argument is you need to see it from Jalen Hurts in the playoffs, I can't really argue against that. But this, this team is just loaded, man. It's a loaded roster. They're well coached. Hertz is playing at an extremely high level. Uh, I, I think they're in a good spot here on the road. With that said, the Giants are, are kind of like the Titans in a lot of ways. Um, you know, we, we, we've seen them kind of be able to, to stay close with teams that maybe have a, a pretty big talent advantage. So I, I don't necessarily see this being a repeat of last week, you know, where, where the Eagles have that game locked up by halftime. But we're seeing this line, you know, move a, a little bit in favor of the Eagles are up to seven and a half point favorites on the road. Yeah. I mean, and, and it makes sense. The Eagles have been amazing all year. Like you said, like uh, among the, you know, the expected number one seeds that they, they don't feel like they're getting the classic amount, amount of credit. I think like you said, it, it, a lot of that has to do with Hertz and his need to prove it at the NFL level um, in, in January, certainly didn't show it against the bucks last year, but that's last year. He's, he's obviously come, very long way and they also did not have aj brown now they do uh and maybe that's why john robinson got fired this week who knows i think it was <laughs> just yeah like just the sheer dunking that aj brown did put on put on tennessee was just like you know what pal like you're you're freaking out um but the way i'm i'm betting this game giants they i mean they're not very good but they can just ugly things up they can muck it up and they're at home. They're five and two at home against the spread. The Eagles have not been good on the road against the spread. They're one and four. Um, again, like a, I worry that maybe I'm putting too much weight on like that that Indianapolis game, but I could just see them not necessarily sleepwalking, but you know, getting into a bit of a bar fight that they didn't want to. Yeah, it, it, potential letdown spot certainly uh, for Philadelphia. You know, again, going on the road. Uh, I think this is a game that ideally the giants, you know, they want this game to be played probably in the, the low twenties. I think if, if the Eagles are scoring 25 or more points, they, they probably win this game relatively easily, but you know, total sitting at 44 and a half. So we're looking at an implied score of what, like 26 to, to 18 and a half. I think that would be scoring on me. Uh, <laughs> but you know, if they could keep this low scoring, I think that that definitely benefits uh, the New York giants. So we'll see if they, they can actually do that uh, against this high powered Eagles offense. But Giants, by the way, 17 and two to the under in their last 19 home games. So even with some, some pretty rough rosters this year, and certainly last year that they, they have been able to uh, at least contain, contain uh, opponents defensively at home. Yes. So the, yeah, that I, and if that is the case, then I think the Eagles are a little bit in trouble. Like, again, we're, we're not expecting the giants to yep. score a ton here, but if they can at least just slow this Eagles attack, I'm, a, I'm worried about that because I don't think the corner personnel is at full strength right now. So that's a, potentially a huge issue. But the wind is whipping there in East Rutherford. Yep. Maybe Jalen Hurts doesn't be able or can't cut through it the same way. And, you know, then it's anyone's game. So, uh, you know, again, I'm, I'm not taking the Giants to win or anything, but I, I do like them to cover all things considered. Yeah, you mentioned Adoree Jackson will not play in this game. Leonard Williams got dinged up last week. He did not practice on Thursday, and, and even Saquon was limited on Thursday as well. So uh, maybe some reason that that line ticked up a little bit 
uh, in favor of the Eagles. Let's go to your Ravens, uh, the Tyler Huntley Baltimore Ravens on the road at the Steelers. Uh, they are two-point dogs over at BetMGM as of right now. This line, uh, pre-Lamar Jackson injury, if you look uh, you know, a little over a week ago, this was Ravens minus four and a half. Uh, so, so a pretty major reversal here. I think part of it is obviously the Jackson injury. That's number one. Number two, the Steelers are, are playing a hell of a lot better these last few weeks and then getting TJ Watt back. You know, you, you know all the stats, the, the basically the on-off court stats mm-hmm. with, with TJ Watt are extremely friendly. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I think... The, the, the other thing was, I mean, we, we only got what, like 11 snaps from Lamar Jackson last week. So who knows, you know, maybe it was just a couple bad series and they figured out um, and they end up scoring more, more than 10 points on that Denver defense, but things did not look great for Lamar Jackson, you know, a couple quick punts before he got hurt. And, you know, you go back two weeks ago, they, they have that crushing loss to Jacksonville the week before that, uh, you know, a, a kind of an eerily similar game uh, against Carolina to what we saw this past Sunday against Denver. So you know, again, obviously the, you know, going from Lamar to Tyler Huntley is the main factor here, but I also think the, the general struggles of this Ravens offense are, are top of mind. Yes. I would not have taken at full strength, the Ravens to cover four and a half on the road against Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Like you said, they are playing better. You have a guy in Tyler Huntley, you have to run just an inherently limited playbook. You know, we, we saw this last year and like the Ravens were competitive with Huntley, but they just wouldn't win those games. There was some really uh, like th- now that this is happening again, I- I'm like having these flashbacks of-, of the Ravens just doing these really boneheaded two point conversion plays. Like it- yep. I didn't even hate the decision. Yep, I was front and center with with our guy Chris Owen watching that. But um, they every time they'd go for two, and I'd be like, nice. And then every time they'd line up and just do a sprint right and just hope that like Mark Andrews can catch it like right at the pylon. It's like you are not leaving yourself enough margin for error. And like after like the fourth time. Greg Roman still never learned his lesson. Uh, and unfortunately, he's out of the running at Stanford. So we can't even like jettison him that way. It's it's very disappointing. Um, but, you know, bottom line here, I hate, I don't think this is a good spot for the Ravens. And and with the, the number being as low as it is, Steelers can definitely win this one by a field goal. So I, I'll be I'll be shocked if the Ravens win. I'll be shocked if they cover. I like is a, is a strong word, but uh, I something i back the steelers uh in this spot <laughs> against uh against uh my poor guys yeah i i also something the steelers in this game i <laughs> yeah I, I you phrased it shockingly well i I, th- I think the steelers do win this game at home i think it's it's a another kind of ugly uh like there's like four drives that you think are going to end in touchdowns and then they end up kicking like a 24 yard field goal that's that's been the steelers mo all season but yeah i think they win a, a really ugly low scoring game and I, I think that's what we've come to expect for the Baltimore Ravens and and with Tyler Huntley, I think that becomes even more likely, uh, by the way, the total in this game, the lowest of the week, 36 and a half. I mean, that's one of the lowest totals of the whole year. Yeah. And I still like the under, like I, I'm not even blinking. It's like, yeah. no, there, there's just not going to be points on it. Unless, I mean, Huntley did turn it over a couple of times last week. If, if uh, yeah. Pittsburgh turns those into, into points, then, then, you know, it's obviously a different story, but I, I don't think either of these offenses are going to get us to that number. It would have to be a little bit of, you know, uh, defensive magic as well. Yeah. We'll see if the Ravens pull out the jet sweep pass uh, interception play. Uh, I think that you one know, uh, after last week, do you know that James Prochet had never thrown a, a pass in a game in high school or college? Had he ever thrown a football before? Like at all? Honestly, not the worst looking throw I've ever seen. It was just the worst. It was about the worst decision I've yeah. ever seen, especially from a non quarterback. It, 
it harkened back memories to a classic Ed Reed moment where the Jets rolled Lamont Jordan out uh, on a very similar look. And the NFL, if you watch the NFL films, Herm's like, no, no, no. And then he throws it and then Ed Reed's 106 yards back the other way. And, and uh, that, that game changed dramatically after that moment. So, um, you know, I, I don't fault James Prochet so much, mm-hmm. but I, I do fault the, I fault the decision. I've, and I also yeah. fault the play call. I mean, come on, what is that? Right. Uh, one more note on TJ Watt, by the way. Uh, since TJ Watt entered the NFL, the Steelers are 55-25-2 straight up in games where TJ Watt plays. They are 1-10 straight up without TJ Watt. So that, that absolutely passes the eye test. Uh, yeah, it, it's a little something I like to call defensive end wins yes. uh, with a Z. Um, yep. And it's real. Yeah, a lot of people don't like that stat, but it is very, very real. Uh, all right, we got a few more games to zip through. Chiefs, 9.5-point favorites on the road at Denver. It's it's kind of right on the borderline. If this one gets to ten, you know, maybe I think twice about it. But I I will take the Chiefs, who are leading the league in pretty much every you know offensive metric, especially passing, uh, you know, yards per play, yards per drive, things like that. Uh, you know, obviously the Broncos' defense is really good. We know that. I think that narrative has finally come to light, uh, despite the offense, you know, putting them in horrific situations week after week. But I, I like the Chiefs here. I do. I'm on the Broncos. Whoa. Don't make don't make me like say a whole lot as to why. I, okay. Every, anytime I back the Broncos, it never feels good, but like it is right some of the times. So I mean, like again, nine and a half points at home. I'm just trusting the defense and closing my eyes. Yeah, I mean they're they're four and seven ATS somehow on the year, which I mean having four wins against the spread uh, with that offensive output is, is impressive. I mean this is uh, on pace to be literally one of the worst offenses in NFL history, especially in modern times. Uh, but yeah, I don't have much else to say about that game. We can move on. Panthers, Seahawks, Seattle, four point favorites at home. We talked a little bit about this one uh, in the open. We both like the Panthers here uh, to, to cover. I like Seattle to win. Uh, I will reiterate that. But I, I think the Seahawks are there. We're putting them in the Charger zone, I think, for the rest of the season. Like they, they're, they're going to play those games where even if they're the better team, even if they have the better quarterback, even if they're better coached, uh, they, they have proven pretty definitively to me over the last three weeks that. Uh, as you said earlier, they will get into the bud with anybody. Yeah, they, they just play to the to the level of whoever's lined up against them. Yep. It's, it's just going to be a weird game no matter what. So yes, very well said. This is yeah that they, they are they have entered the Charger Zone trademark. Um, your thoughts on the the two night games, one of which actually includes uh, the Chargers. Yeah, yeah. What a good segue. I was hoping that's where we were going. Dolphins Chargers. Uh, Dolphins three and a half point favorites on the road. I will say, John, I was. Considering putting this into the is this line too high pile uh, because the Dolphins did not look good last week, albeit against a, a very good 49ers defense. This is not a good Chargers defense, but that defense is being dragged down in particular by one of the worst run defenses in recent memory. They are the worst run defense in terms of yards per carry for the second straight year. I The, the question is, can the Dolphins exploit that? Because they could not run the ball last week. They could not run the ball against the Houston Texans. So do they make a point? to target that chargers run defense or do they kind of do what they do best and, and try to win this game through the air? So they might not have a choice. Um, I think between Tua's ankle injury and you know, what we saw from what they have as far as the offensive line is concerned right now with all the injuries you can't come into this with a game plan where you have a lot of like, you know, five and seven step drops for Tua. like either the ball has to get out of his hands very quickly or that pass rush gets to him. Or, you know, you're in deep trouble. You know, like, I, I just think that it's going to be a lot of quick game and a, and a lot of running the ball. So, you know, if you're Jeff Wilson, 
Haver or even a Raheem Mostert Haver, then I think that this is a pretty good spot for them. But I think even if they're having success on the ground, I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing or a winning strategy um, for the Dolphins in this spot. So trusting them to cover more than a field goal on the road, even against a team like the Chargers, it's a bit much for me. So I, I'm actually pretty strongly on the Chargers. Not best bad territory, but I, I, I like the Chargers a good bit in this spot. I took the Dolphins in staff picks. I think I had it at like 33 to 28 Miami. Uh, you know, this is the second highest total of the week. It's sitting at 51 and a half. Actually tied now with, with Vikings-Lions, which is down uh, from 52 and a half. Uh, but I think we see points. That's for sure. I don't really trust this Miami defense either. Uh, and the Chargers, by the way, I mean, they're 29th in pressure rate. So I, I think your, your argument about Tua, like they don't want to get him hit. He took some huge hits late in that game against San Francisco. That's been a, a recurring unfortunate theme for him all year. But I, I don't know that the Chargers without Bosa are really capable of, of rattling Tua in the same ways uh, that the 49ers were. But fun game. I mean, two weeks in a row, uh, we get really fun games involving the Miami Dolphins. And Jalen Waddle, by the way, I uh, need to keep an eye on him. He's been limited by a fibula injury all Oof. week, which, yeah, not a doctor, but uh, doesn't sound great. You know, I mean, it's not like you, you, can't, you can't strain your fibula. You know, it's like it's either it's it's, it's a bone. It's either injured or it's not. So I, I would not be surprised if they're being a little bit cagey uh, about where he's at at this juncture in the week. Let's go to Monday Night Football, then we'll get into our parlays in the teaser of the week. Patriots, one and a half point favorites on the road at the Arizona Cardinals, who are coming off of a bye. So the Cardinals basically have a negative home field advantage. They just simply, they don't win there straight mm-hmm. up. And, and uh, you know, the, against the spread, probably a little bit better. But even still, I'm just very skeptical of, of this, uh, this Arizona team. I, I don't think that they're fully healthy, even coming off the bye. Um, and I think the Patriots... They're fine with just going in there and getting an ugly win. So I think that this is a rather low scoring game. Uh, I know that the Patriots, you know, they 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 got kind of put back in their place. Um, yep. But by the Bills, what we saw from them on Thanksgiving, where the offense actually looked pretty good, that's going to end up being a huge aberration on the season. Like, I, I just don't think that that's happening again. Uh, Mac Jones having his little hissy fit meltdown on the sidelines with, with Matt Patricia. Like, this is like, I hit. Uh, there's like a great family guy vignette where like they have Maggie and Jake Gyllenhaal and they're both like just going back and forth about how much each of them suck. And then the dad comes in and he's like, kids, kids, you're both just awful. That's basically what, what the Patricia, Patricia Mac Jones spat yes. looked like to me. Um, so even with all that said, the Patriots just like they're better coached for the most part. And like they can just, they don't have to play a finesse style. They can just, go in there and get it done against a team that just is bad at home in front of their home fans. So g- give me the okay. Patriots. Uh, I don't love it. I, I I hope to be, you know, distracted during that game on Monday night. I hope there's something more yeah. fun to do, but that's where I'm at with it. I'm going the other way on this one. I, I know it's okay. a, against my better judgment. Um, you know, the coaching edge here is probably the, the biggest uh, advantage that the Patriots have at this point, but we're going to see DeAndre Hopkins and Hollywood Brown together. For the first time this season, um, yeah, I'm at least willing to give that offense the benefit of the doubt in that regard. I think that could spark something. It is a good New England secondary, that's for sure. Uh, but we've also seen the New England defense struggle against mobile quarterbacks this season. I mean, they're 0-3 straight up against Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Justin Fields. That Pats defense allowed 70 combined points to Baltimore and Chicago. Uh, I mean, Baltimore especially. Like that, That is an offense that has not been doing that 
very often of late. And, and obviously Chicago hasn't looked all that great either. So there is something to, to having a quarterback who can move and, and having, you know, the two best receivers in this game on the Arizona side. Uh, so this is kind of my, like my stick in my neck out a little bit pick of the week is I, I will take the Arizona Cardinals to win this game straight up. Okay. Uh, I mean, good point there. And, and yeah, with, with Hopkins and Brown, both being, being out there for the first yeah. time together, that's definitely interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, Kyler likely being a, a little bit closer to hundred percent that this time around, which, yeah. you know, that that's, that's huge for him. He does not play well when he's been on the injury report the previous week. Yeah, very true. Yeah. He's a guy, if he's like, even at 90%, it feels like you, you do see a pretty major drop off and who knows, maybe the Cardinals want Cliff Kingsbury fired, but this feels like a, a game where if you get, you come in and you get smacked around at home by the Pats, uh, I think that seat is going to get about as hot as it possibly could. Uh, let's get to the parlay and the teaser of the week. John, I'll let you go first. What is your, uh, your first parlay? Okay. So I'm, I'm running back the afternoon delight parlay because it it was delightful last week. So we're going to, we're going to run it back. Um, these are just spreads. Um, but I got Broncos against the spread Panthers against the spread and 49ers against the Ooh. spread. So all those, you know, basically even money, um, Broncos, plus nine and a half. We got the Panthers plus four Niners minus three and a half. If all that hits, that's plus five ninety six. And if you want to add on to that, it's no longer classically the afternoon delight parlay. But if you add the Patriots money line, that goes to plus 1152. Oh, I like it. Kind of like the, the weekend extender parlay mm-hmm. throwing in the, the Monday night game. I like that a lot. I, I think to me, the, Ooh, I, I think I'm most worried about the Broncos in that situation. Um, sure. but I, I, yeah, I, I like your logic there. And look, if you add the pats and you're, you're getting into the, uh, you know, quad digits, uh, I'm not going to fault you there. I'm going to throw out a, a four team money line parlay. Uh, I'm going to involve the Eagles. So they got to beat the giants, the Bengals. They need to win at home against Cleveland, the chiefs. They just got to beat the Broncos and the Buffalo bills need to beat the jets. This gets you to plus plus one ninety five. So we're not, we're not going for broke here. Uh, but, but I feel good about those four teams. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're basically getting two to one, with you know for the best teams you know some of the you know outside of the the Cowboys game of course you know some of the most cushion to work with as it were as far as the the win percent or win expectancy is concerned so um really it, are the Eagles like the the liability there and like even if even still I, think uh, they are. I mean I'm like kind of stretching to say that they are as far as actually losing that game yeah. uh straight up so no nah, I, I like where your head's at on that one all right, let's go with the underdog parlays of the week. Okay, so I've noticed that, you know, like the, the big, big, like kind of betting trend earlier in the season was, oh, dogs. Dogs are the way to go. Dogs are life. Dogs are bay. Uh, we're starting to see favorites. We're starting to see them bully around a little bit. Favorites were 10 and five last week. So I'm, I think I only like four dogs this week on a, on a short slate. So like nine favorites. So, it was a little bit tough to find uh, multiple legs here, but I, I just went with two. Um, okay. But give me the Chargers and the Giants. Um, that that would go uh, plus seven fifty. And those are money lines, right? Correct. Okay, so Giants got to win at home against the Eagles. Chargers, uh, they got to get it done against the Miami Dolphins. I, I like where your head's at there. I'm throwing out the. Nick Whalen murder mystery parlay of the week, John, because uh, I will be going to a murder mystery party here in Milwaukee mm. on Saturday. Yeah. That the host, you know, like they bought like this kit online. Everybody's got to get in character. We, we have to, uh, we have to dress up. We have to like send texts to 
to other characters throughout the week to set up the storyline. Like this is a this is a pretty big like thing. Professor Plum in the in this one or Colonel Mustard? Or? I am. I think my name is like Greenlee. I am a. Uh, it, so this takes place in a fictional Las Vegas hotel. So I am a uh, stand-up comedian slash uh, professional poker player. Uh, that that's my character. Um, so you know. That kind of fits with what we're doing here. Sports betting adjacent, at least. Yeah, so I, I think you're going to do very well with that. I, I hope so. I've never participated in anything like this, but I, I want to tie it into the, the underdog parlay here. I'm taking the Vikings. I'm taking the Panthers. And I'm taking the Arizona Cardinals. That gets you to just about plus 1,100. Hey, look at that. All right. We, fi- we found a way to get get into the quad digits, as you said, with, with just three teams. And I can I can totally see paths for each of them. So, Magusta. Okay. Yeah. I'm most worried about the Panthers there. Um, you know, Vikings, Cardinals, those are, those are, you know, one and a half lines. So, uh, close to pickums at least, uh, although, you know, never feel great uh, involving the Cardinals in, in any sort of sports bet. I'll say that uh, let's <laughs> get to the teaser of the week, John. Like I said, we were, we were red hot. The first two teasers we threw out, you know, one with ease, uh, last week, the Ravens let us down, uh, Browns, Texans total under 53 and a half. <laughs> that one hit with ease. Uh, Seattle just had to beat the Rams. Uh, that was a little shaky, but they got it done. Uh, we're going back to the well with another seven-point teaser this week. We are teasing the Kansas City Chiefs down to two and a half, so they just need to beat the Broncos by a field goal. You can see that game getting a little messy. You know that Broncos defense shows up, could be low scoring, so I want to get uh, at least that that two and a half point cushion. Uh, so the Chiefs minus two and a half. We are teasing the Dallas Cowboys all the way down to ten points. Just got to cover ten against that lowly Houston Texans team, and we are teasing. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers up to 10 and a half. So I think this is going to be another low scoring game. You look at the total in Bucks Niners, it's 37 and a half. Um, I, I, I think the 49ers win that game, but I, I think by virtue of starting the last pick in the 2022 draft, this is not a runaway win by any means for the 49ers. So I, I think the Bucs could keep it, uh, you know, 10 point game or less. Yeah, and what's crazy is the hook might be like the thing that's exactly. agey there. Like, I, I, it wouldn't shock me if the Niners win by ten points. It would kind of shock me if they won by more than that, though. So exactly. there you go. But well dialed up, sir. Exactly. That's the thing is, I, I was kind of, I, 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 based on like different uh, machinations of looking at these teasers, it's like I couldn't quite find one where I felt awesome about all three. But getting the Chiefs to two and a half and getting the Bucks to ten and a half uh, with those key numbers that was big. And then with Dallas, I mean. It's like, yeah, you don't necessarily want to be teasing teams down to 10, but this is a, this is a unique situation. No, it, it absolutely is. Um, so I, I definitely um, like where your head's at. All right. If you want to tail us, if you want to go against us, as always, make sure you're doing that over at betmgm.com, the BetMGM app, and you're using our promo code BETROTO, B-E-T-R-O-T-O. Get that first wager risk-free up to $1,000. The time has come, John. Let's lock it up. All right. I'm locking it in here. I think the Bengals get revenge in a pretty loud fashion in this one. So give me the Bengals minus five and a half. I'm glad that it's that it's moved down. Get, give me that. Give me all of that. Bengals, Joe Burrow, former Mr. Basketball, I believe, in the state of Ohio. Oh, yeah. Athletes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This is this is this is cooking. Uh we're we're staying, we're staying on the right side of our best bets. We're going Bengals. Yes, we are, because I am also locking up the Bengals. We have our first double lock of the season. Uh, I love this one. This is my, my favorite lock of the year so far. Uh, does it make me a tiny bit nervous that this number has moved in favor of Cleveland? You know what? No, it doesn't. It does not, because that gives us even more of a cushion if this were to you know now end up somehow as a six-point game. I love it. 
give me Cincinnati. Uh, they get this game at home. I do not trust Deshaun Watson whatsoever. The the only argument I think against Cincinnati is they, they had their win of the year last year. Is this a potential letdown spot? On paper, sure, you could make that case, but I don't think they let it happen. So uh, I'm feeling great about this one, John. Yeah, it's any proverbial letdown, any sort of oh, Joe Burrow struggles against the Browns. Nope. Don't don't listen to those people. They are trying to to lose you money. We're trying to win you money. The Bengals have a division to win as well. You know they got to keep pace with the Baltimore Ravens, who you know they, they don't look like a great team, but they're they're lucky to have won two of the last three. They could very well beat the Steelers this week as well. So uh, Cincinnati, plenty to play for. Uh, other than just Joe Burrow beating the Browns for the first time. So we are in complete lockstep there, locking up the Bengals minus five and a half. That'll do it. No college football talk this week. All we got is Army-Navy. We'll be back. We'll revisit college football uh, in a week or two here once bowl season heats up, of course, once we get closer to the college football playoff. But thanks to everybody listening along on YouTube. Make sure you give us uh, a rate and review over on your podcast listener of choice could be the apple podcast app could be spotify you could find us at both of those spots and as always use that promo code betroto b-e-t-r-o-t-o that is of the utmost importance betmgm betmgm.com betmgm app go check it out whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.